you're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We're the business development resource for group practice owners, where we talk candidly about business ownership and leadership. From practice building tips to live coaching to real talk episodes with other group practice owners, we're the resource you've been looking for to help you grow your group practice. I'm your host, group practice owner and entrepreneur, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the Group Practice Exchange for $100 off your first month. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Today I have an expert on and I'm really excited to chat with her. Her name is Wendy Wright. And she's an LMFT and also a financial therapist. So we're going to be talking about decreasing shame around money. And as us group practice owners, we know there's, um, you know, shame in those initial stages of getting started. And then there's also shame that continues to grow sometimes with more established groups. So hi, Wendy. I'm really excited to have you on to share some nuggets of wisdom that you've learned along the way. Hi, Maureen. It's, ex- it's great to be here. I'm excited to share these things. So tell uh, my audience a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, how you Mm -hmm. got to the place that you're at, where you like to give uh, some knowledge around shame and money. Yeah, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Denver, um, but I do mostly telehealth, um, even before the pandemic, because financial therapy is a very newer unique brand of therapy where we bring our therapy skills and we talk about money in session. So often we would actually get on to um, logging into bank accounts and looking at the transactions and talking about them and beginning to do that. So even when we were in session, we would both be on the, you know, be on the computer and looking at that. So it lended itself very well to telehealth. I have recently expanded into a group practice called Financial Therapy Solutions. Um, That's the website, financialtherapysolutions.com, to increase the the number of financial therapists in the in the nation because there aren't that many of us. Um, I know you recently had Lindsay on. She was talking about um, I think archetypes, um, mm-hmm. great podcast. So listen to that too. And there's just so much, it's a very rich and rewarding place to enter into a therapeutic exchange with someone around their relationship with money. Majority of our money decisions are, um, the high, are the high percent of them is they are emotional decisions. And so when we begin to look at that and unpack it in a therapy setting, it, it begins to make really cool changes in our clients' lives. Yeah. I, I, 
I see a lot of conversations in um, the group practice owner circle and you being a group practice owner too, you have uh, mm-hmm. some good insights because as a group owner, you're in those spaces. And so you're seeing how um, new group practice owners are reacting to money uh, and making decisions that relate mm-hmm. to money um, and also established group owners, kind of that evolution of what might have had some uh, emotion-based decisions in the beginning when they were first starting off. It kind of looks a little different as you become more established on what might create some levels of shame uh, when you have a, a large team of clinicians working for you. So I'm really excited to get some yeah. feedback on what are you seeing? What are you thinking? And what can group owners do to reduce that shame that they have around money? Mm, yeah. You know, I um, I came to this with a, a rather unique blend of, I have a, my undergrads in business. I was in mortgage banking. I've been a realtor, flipped houses, done some other things, and then got a therapy degree. So I came into looking at a therapy practice as a business pretty easily, but I work with a lot of therapists in private practice, both um, solo and group practices who that's the last thing that was on their mind (laughs) was like, oh, this is, and this is a business, what, you know, kind of feeling. And so one of the, um, one of the reasons I developed financial therapy solutions was to create a place for therapists who would like to become financial therapists to learn about it on a more like intimate basis. In doing that, I developed 10 principles of financial therapy that I take um, people through because in hiring, as group practice owners know, hiring sometimes they're cha- one of the challenges of hiring for a financial therapy group practice is there aren't that many out there with experience yeah. in group therapy. And so um, I thought I'd bring a couple of those principles today. Um, the foundation, because the foundational principle is bringing abundant, compassionate curiosity and zero judgment to money which means, as we know as therapists, that means we're bringing a lot of self-compassion. And sometimes that's really hard with money, Um, whether we are um, a group practice owner or a therapist trying to figure out who am I going to work for, how much am I going to get paid, or the idea of, um, you know, knowing what is your money story? Is it, you do come from a place of, a lot of therapists will connect with that coming from that place of noble poverty, poverty, if I'm going to help people, then I have to suffer, you know, whatever it is, it's really helpful to meet yourself where you are, which is something that I think you'll understand, you'll agree with me that it's really easy for us to do for our clients and sometimes hard to do for ourselves. It's just come with that compassionate curiosity and, um, and notice like uh, one of the one person I was working with recently, she was like, when you say the word money, I want to do a full body shutter. I can't even, I I just want to shut down and, and hide. And so, okay, if that's where you are, that's where we want to start. We want to meet that person where they are and then decide, because sometimes one of the things, um, and tell me if this connects for you, Maureen, but one of the ways often that we learn about money is um, kind of what I call shame-based learning. We usually learn from the mistakes we made. Often it's like, as you know, in, um, in therapy school, there's no business classes yet. Hopefully they'll eventually be there. Um, but we'll learn because we forgot to put money side, aside for taxes. That's a biggie. We, we learn because we don't know how to take time off. Last week I had a cold. I had, I took a few days um, of a lighter schedule and I felt really comfortable in it because I had a plan for PTO. So these places though, we usually learn 
um, in general, the general public learns money this way and therapists especially learn money this way. And so we want to come in to um, crack through that shame and help begin to meet them where they are. Does that connect for you? Yes. Yeah. I, I 100% agree that probably most people as a whole um, learn strictly by looking at their mistakes versus mm-hmm. even being proactive or thinking about where, you know, where potentially things can go wrong or where they might need to, to learn and grow before they actually have issues like, oops, I didn't save enough for my, uh, for my taxes, which is probably one of the mm-hmm. biggest money issues that <laughs> business owners yes. have. Yeah, it really is. And the amount of shame that I see them come, because usually when they come and we start talking about it, it's gone on for years yeah. and they're so scared. So sometimes literally in session, we'll log onto the IRS website or we'll, you know, we'll take those steps in session so that one of the things that people will say about financial therapy, that it feels so good is that they're not alone in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that makes such a big difference. So what is your, what are you seeing with group practice owners specifically that are kind of like high shame um, experiences that relate to money? Mm, Yeah, there's several, but let's talk one about um, how to figure out how much to pay your employees, whether they're contractors or employees, either way. Um, Because I think one of the things that we typically know as therapists um, is if the word should shows up, there's probably some shame, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we think about, um, and I thought a lot about this before I even started my own group practice too, like when you think about, well, I should pay them blank, then automatically let's go ahead and pause there and learn where that should's coming from. One of the, so one of the first principles of financial therapy is coming at it from abundant, compassionate curiosity and zero judgment there. One another key principle is is learning to live out of a plan, not your bank balance, or not not uh, public opinion or other social media posts about what people are paying their employees. So you want to come into it. So I I wanted to come into this very slowly so that I could help other group practice owners know how you know how to to reflect on this. And part of that's doing the math. So if numbers are really hard for you, get support. Yeah. Some people have number phobia. That does not mean you're bad with money. And that's a key um, thing to notice because people who think they're bad with money tend to see it as a character trait that's ingrained in their DNA. And that's not a truth. And not fixable. (laughs) Right. They are. Yeah. Exactly. And if you, if you think that something is not fixable, that leads to certain decisions, right? If you're bad with money, why make a plan? Why check your bank balance? Blah, blah, blah. So when we come at it with looking at, okay, let's look at the plan. And let's look at what you need to make in order to have a group practice be a positive in your life. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you want to explain it? So, um, you know, and of course, if, as I'm leading financial therapy solutions, we're having a lot of money conversations because I want my financial therapist really comfortable with it. So we look at these numbers, but you want to be able to look at the numbers and feel comfortable with, okay, here's what's going to make my life work to make this group practice um, something fun for me, something exciting. If you're doing it because you feel you should, or because you, um, you know, feel like it's the, the next best way to fill your office space or something like that. Like you want to be able to evaluate those decisions in in light of your business plan. So if 
someone is saying like I should you or even if someone so what I see a lot of times especially in my Facebook groups is people saying what other people should do right like you Mm -hmm. everyone pays at least you know 50 percent to employees like if you are paying and whatever that dollar amount comes out to if you're paying less than that then then Mm -hmm. that's a problem you should be paying at least 50 percent there's no reason that you should like you shouldn't be able to and you see a (laughs) lot of that and um I know that there's, it, it causes a lot of anxiety for people because it's also what reimbursement looks like in all of the U.S. is so different, you know, and the cost of living mm-hmm. is different and um, just average rates for therapy is so different that it, it always causes me anxiety because I'm like, don't start telling people what they should do when mm-hmm. it comes to compensating their staff. It'll, it all looks different. Uh, and also, it also depends on other things like adding benefits and such, right? Which people don't mm-hmm. often think about. Yeah. What's your suggestion if, if someone is is adding those shoulds in there, what is likely, what does it likely mean for that person that's putting that in there? Mm, such a great question. Well, some there's so, so many different things, but when there again, when there's a should, let's do a full body check-in. You know, mm-hmm. let's really go into um, taking a deep breath and noticing either what triggered you to, to tell someone what they should do or what comes up for you when you hear someone say you should pay X number of dollars or X percent. Like, so stopping right there is going to be so powerful because we really want to dive into and dig into what's coming up other than, because otherwise you'll make a decision out of that energy that may or may not make sense. And then that leads to burnout, that leads to resentment, that, you know, all those things. So we want to be able to pause there and say, for instance, okay, if you're feeling uncomfortable with what you're doing, and that shows up by advice giving, telling everyone else, you may want everyone else to do what you're doing to help validate what you feel uncomfortable yes. doing. That is, that is a codependent I... loop. Yep. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah. And that it's not helpful. It, it actually builds the resentment and it builds the burnout. So coming back into, okay, why am I wanting to give advice and asking those questions can be really powerful. Maybe you're so busy and so overloaded that you haven't had time to really think about what numbers work for your personal life. That's a place I find a lot of um, therapists skip is knowing what numbers they want for their personal life. And that is a place where you want to actually start. You want to know, do I want X number of dollars to come in to help pay my mortgage, support my kids' activities, um, do the, like for me, it's very important that I have money set aside for my ski pass here in Colorado, of course. Um, That is a basic need. Um, You know, (laughs) things like that. You want to know those are the kind of things that make my work life have the meaning I want it to have. But if we're living out of scarcity and we're just hoping we make some money and hope it works out and we live and then we're on the edge of burnout all the time, but we don't know it. So pausing, looking at this, I lead work groups. Their um, signups are starting right now. So that there's information on the website, but in these work groups, we get to pause and meet people where they are, look at where their struggles are, talk about it. It's a small group. They're limited to six. So it's a small group. And, and figure out like, okay, what's driving, for instance, that urge to give everyone else advice or what's driving that fear of like, oh, everybody said this is what I should pay. 
-hmm. Maybe that is actually what you're going to end up paying, but we want the numbers and the plan to guide that decision to decrease the resentment, the fear, and the anxiety, because I want everyone to feel like they can take a deep breath all day long and to feel like they can rest on the weekends or, you know, whenever their weekend is like, because, you know, honestly, here, sometimes I'll have a weekend day on a week, I mean, a weekend day on a weekday so I can go ski. So, you know, we want to build those kind of things by exploring with compassionate curiosity. I, I really like that. Okay. What were the two things then? Compassionate, curiosity, and non-judgmentalness, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So abundant, compassionate, curiosity, and zero judgment, which is really hard because we're used to judging a lot about our money stuff. Mm-hmm. So really coming into that. And the second one is live from a plan, not your bank balance. Yes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. What, what's another one? I really like Ooh. these. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, another one is going to be... Um, Let's see what would be another good one for this. Live from a plan, not your bank balance. You know, I think another one is going to be really to explore. This is going to sound strange, but I think it will help. Um, explore your relationship to debt before you try to get out of it. So it's the idea of staying out of debt is better than getting out of debt. And in order to do that, you've got to really explore your relationship to debt and savings. So it's a big part of what happens. Um, For instance, one of the things that I help people do right off the bat, every one of your listeners is welcome to do this right now today, is to start a a PTO account, a paid time off account. It it feels like a mystery for so many new therapists or therapists who are going into practice for themselves, but it can start with as little as $5 a week. It starts with just opening that account, calling it PTO. So you've already made a promise to yourself that you're going to take time off and that money's going to be there. And if you do it at five or $10 a week and you just start, yeah. but often some all or nothing thinking will get in the way or some like, I'll do that later. Um, or I can't save money because I have to do, you know, all these other things. Then we, then we want to explore what is your relationship to savings and what gets in the way. Very rich conversations can take place at that point. I love that. How many um, things did you say you had? I know we're not going through all of them, but how many? 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for people who are interested in um, getting a little bit more information about how, what kind of work you do, how you can actually help group owners who are having some unresolved Mm -hmm. or negative mindsets around money, um, where can they reach you? Is there anything that you want them to look mm-hmm. at so that they can get more support around it? I would love for every group yes. owner to have zero shame around money. Oh, me too, Maureen. I'm right there with you. We want to bust through it as much as we can. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can find me at financialtherapysolutions.com. And um, a couple of different things. They have the work groups that are starting in October. So they can find information. It's on the website as well. You can sign up for that. There's an early bird like bonus discount if they reach out to me right now. Um, And again, that's really exciting. I'd love to have a work group with six group practice owners who can talk about those dynamics, but they will be set up every time one fills, I'll open up another spot for some. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also, I do therapeutic business consulting. So if if someone's interested in one-on-one consulting, they can email me, Wendy at financialtherapysolutions.com. And um, if someone's interested in becoming a financial therapist from listening to this, like joining the team, they can also email me. 
Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing a couple nuggets of wisdom on mm -hmm. how to reduce shame around money. And um, I look forward to, to hearing some more from you in the future. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Maureen. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join The Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.